Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. Hello from Temple Bar, Dublin. Where is this place we've come to? We don't know what to say And we long to see each other now And are frightened on that day You met me in a barren place And you walked me to the hill We were so good for each other then I know we could be still You couldn't have come at a better time you couldn't have come at a better time You couldn't have come at a better time Not if you try Oh no, not if you try Oh no We have 500 questions Between you and me When you look into my eyes, my love Tell me what can you see is there something you're unsure of? Is there something true and fine? Or is it just another case of the right place at the wrong time? You couldn't have come at a better time. You couldn't have come at a better time. You couldn't have come at a better time. Not if you try. opening track was you couldn't have come at a better time from the Kilkennys and I'm delighted that today we're talking to Davy Cashin he's the lead singer with the ever popular Kilkennys Davy good to talk to you Kieran, how the hell are you what's going on 
Well, who knows what's going on, actually. We're, that's why we're ringing the gang in Kilkenny to know what is going on. I just want to start here. I want to talk about the band and just your development. Actually, it's hard to believe it's you really started back in 1998, so that's about 22 years ago. Is it that long? You're after frightening me now. I wasn't expecting that right off the top, but yeah. It started off in Cairns College in Kilkenny, believe it or not. Well, before we get sort of the history of the band, a little bit of history of Davy Cash and then Davy, there's one thing, uh, well, I would like to hear more about is a town called Ballyfoyle in County Kilkenny. Where's that? Bolya on Fuil, the town in the hole. And um, it's about five miles between Kilkenny and Castle Comer, if you're ever up around that neck of the woods. It's a pleasure and honour for me to be actually talking to you because... I grew up listening to Stockton's Wing and one of my first albums was uh, Reels and Jigs or is it Jigs and Reels? I can't remember. And uh, I bought a banjo in Dublin and your man in the shop, I took the bus up from Kilkenny and I said, I just want a banjo. And he said, what kind of a banjo? And I said, I don't know, a banjo. And I said, you need to be able to plug it in. And I think I actually spent more on the pickup than I did on the banjo. (laughs) And he said to me, are you sure you want to do this? Because uh, I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time. And he said, um, well, look, my advice would be spend a little bit more on the banjo because you'll only be picking up SH1T, he said. <laughs> so I said, look, I don't care. I'm going home with a banjo and a pickup today. So as it turns out, I got a very good pickup and I got probably the worst banjo in Ireland that day. And I brought it home and I spent months and months on learning the made behind the bar. So... That was my introduction to trad because before that I had been singing and singing and singing. But anyway, I just want to say it's great to be able to talk to you today. And it's uh, one of my all time ambitions to get on Cayley House. And maybe someday we might do that as well. Well, there's another possibility to be looking forward to, Davy. Of course, banjo playing is, well, there's a bit of that in the family, of course. There is. My dad, Adrian Cashin, he's uh, another character here in Kilkenny. He's uh, a tailor. And he's been a, a tailor in Kilkenny for 50 years. He's from Carlow originally. And when he was 16, he moved down to Feathert in County Tipperary to learn off the great Osti Flynn. He was one of the great uh, tailors in Ireland at the time. And he made uh, suits and jackets for Jackie Onassis Kennedy back in the day. There's lots of horse studs down around Tipperary. And he served his time there for five years. And he came back to Kilkenny, opened up a tailor shop. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, you followed him in the music. Did you ever think of following him in the tailoring? He gave me two bits of advice, Kieran, in my whole <laughs> life. And one was don't ever get married. And he said two was don't ever become a tailor. And he says you can do what you like after that. So I got married, but I never became a tailor. It's a dying trade as well. It's like the, the rural pubs and everything else. Nobody wants a suit a handmade suit made anymore because you can go down and get one for 50 quid and you can throw it away next week and get another one the following week that's just the way it is but back in the day everybody had their three-piece suit made and they went to mass every sunday in the ward and they wore it all the occasions and that was the business at the time the tailoring business it's a dying trade but it's a great craft the handcraft tailor it's a thing of the past these days but it's a special thing to have Certainly, an amazing craft. And so, your father was was uh, was he, he was he into traditional music? Was he into the ballads? He was more into the crack. If I'm being honest, he was more of an entertainer. He he is an entertainer. He um he he could turn up anywhere, and 
any pub in Kilkenny, he'd turn up and he, he kind of picks his spots and he picks his time. He'd come in very stealthily and he might have a band. He'll always have a banjo or a guitar, five string banjo and a guitar. He, they're, they're the best for the sing-alongs because it's just chords and you can get a, a sing song going wherever you are. And that, that was always his style. Four chords, a banjo and a guitar and away you go. He said the rest will happen after that. And he said, even if it's not in tune, don't worry, it'll give it time, it'll come into tune. <laughs> it'll settle in time. It'll settle in, yeah. No, so had you an ambition then to follow that or to be on stage? Was that something that you felt that you would like to do? Yeah, there was always a, a five-string, a, a, a six-string guitar or a bower online around the house. And it, I never thought much of it when I was a, a kid, but now when I think back, it, they might have been planted there uh, strategically, but any opportunity, there was a sing-song going in the house. And I did them reluctantly. I found a video of me when I was five years of age playing along, bower on with my dad, singing. Um, oh, what's the one? Down by the banks of the Ohio, and only say, will you be mine? You know that song? I know that song. And he's singing away lovely and I'm playing along bower on reluctantly and I'm looking at my dad and say, what am I doing here? And I'm delighted I have that video now. But um, so the ballads and the singing was always kind of something my dad did. And I never thought it was cool and I never wanted to be part of it. But then when I went to St. Kieran's College in Kilkenny, um, I went there because all I was interested in was hurling. But then I met a couple of guys who were into the ballads and singing folk songs, Dubliners, Clancy's, Wolf Tones, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden I realised I knew every one of these songs without thinking it was ever cool. I had it in my back pocket, but I never used it because I'm never going to use this in Kieran's College or, you know, at a disco or anything like that. But when I heard these guys singing and me and my brother joined up with them, we said, hey, lads, we could start doing... Um, few gigs in the pubs we know all these songs and all of a sudden we have a four-piece ballad group going here and we can make a few quid or maybe get a few free pints at the weekend and that's how it started in Kieran's college just because I had it all in the back of my head from growing up with my dad's banjo guitar and bower on lying around the house and like I'm from County Clare, so we had a slightly different uh, upbringing, let's say musically there, because we were introduced to traditional music from an early stage and there was an audience for it there. Uh, was there a big audience for the ballad scene for what you were doing in Kilkenny then? Unbelievable. And all styles of music. It, you know, you had a bit of um, a lot of cover bands. So you'd be doing a rock and roll, a bit of blues, but then a lot of folk singing. Not as much trad as you would have in the West. I understand the tradition over in the West and it's a lot more serious with the traditional there. We were more into the, the sing-along and that element of... And every now and again, you'd have a wanderer, he'd come in and he'd have a fiddle and he'd have a banjo and he'd, he'd blow, he'd make a show of you with the tunes he could play. But then we said, right, enough of that, now sit down, we're going back to the songs. And I'm sure it's the very opposite in County Clare. You'd be banging away with tunes and then a lad would come in with a song. And it's good to have the break. And as the thing evolved over the years, we have a nice blend of traditional and folk singing now. And that's the way we want to keep it. 
You have that in the Kilkenny's actually, and you have evolved, of course, over the years. It's not the same four-piece now as it was when you started off as Ishkabeha. Yeah, so when we emerged from Kieran's College as four uh, young lads, all we wanted to do was sing songs in the pub, uh, guitar, banjo, etc. Me and my brother and Tommy Mackey and another couple of lads. We started in the pubs weekend, but then it, it kind of grew and we said, lads, it came to a stage when we left, we went to college. We could actually make a go of this because the plan at the start was if we can do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four nights a week, and we charge 400 euros, and we get 100 euros each, 400 a man, or 100 a man, it's 444. We said, that's a week's wages, and we're doing something we love. Then we could give up college, or whatever we were aspiring to be at the time, and we'd be full-time musicians. And it sounded very ambitious at the time, but by Christmas that year, we had all given up college or our part-time jobs and we said we're going to do music full-time for one year and see how we get on. And by Christmas we were doing our four gigs a week. We were earning 400 a night. 400 pounds at the time, I'm sorry. I love in Kilkenny when anyone says pounds, they say at the time. So it was 400 pounds at the time, which was a great week's wages. And we were playing music and we said, we're not looking back, let's go for this. And that was Ishkabaha. And we went on for many years as Ishkabaha and we toured Ireland, not toured, but we just played in pubs and we did the scene and we were up and down the country uh, zigzagging across over and back until we met a man called Noel Carty. Do you know Noel Carty yourself? I know Noel very well, actually. A man that has been around the music business for quite a long time, a man of great experience. Well, that's the man that changed my life and the life in the rest of the... The guys of the band at the time changed their lives as well because uh, Noel said, where are you going with a name like Ishkabaha? <laughs> we were doing a thing at the time. Um, we did a Clancy Brothers routine where we wore the um, Aaron jumpers because we're great fan fans of the boys. They're from Carrick and Shore down the road from Kilkenny. Big influence on us. And he, he heard we were doing um, a Clancy Brothers routine and he said... I'd like to work with you, but we have to change the name. I said, why, Noel? We're, we're using that name about 10 years. We, we've um, built up a following around Ireland and we, we can't change the name now. I'm sorry. Well, he said, I never heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> so you must be doing something wrong. And I said, OK, well, what do we call ourselves then? And he said, well, look, you have the Dubliners. They're from Dublin. So you need to come up with a name about something where you're from. So I leave it with you. And Jimmy McCarthy, the famous Jimmy McCarthy lives in Kilkenny and he's a good friend of Noel Carty's as well and became a very good friend of mine as well over the years. He said, you need to call yourselves the Kilkenny's, Jimmy McCarthy. So I said, OK, Jimmy, we'll give it a go. I'll take your advice. So after that, we started traveling outside of Ireland. We started getting tours and festivals in Germany, Holland, uh, Scandinavia, Britain etc and that was the changing of the band because now we were kind of branding ourselves where we were from Kilkenny Kilkenny was recognisable around the world as a place to visit when you come to see Ireland there was Kilkenny beer so that was the idea that was the plan and we haven't looked back since and that was 2008 and we're going under Noel Carty as the Kilkenny's since and we couldn't be happier
But we picked up a few young lads along the way, and we we have you to thank for that, uh, uh, Kieran. So we can get into that if you want as well. Well, no, except to say maybe that Noel used to give me an odd call to know that I know anybody uh, around that were, you know, that were involved in the music or in that scene or that had played a banjo or a guitar or a set of pipes or a bow on. So all I did was kind of point him in that direction. Uh, the important thing actually with that, Davy, is that uh, ye met with new members when, when things evolved, let's say, as they do in every band, but that they were able to fit into what you were doing. Well, this is the thing. My brother, Adam, he played Bower on beside me on the stage for 15 years. That's hard to believe. Then he had a couple of kids and the traveling and the touring was becoming increasingly more strenuous and difficult. Uh, so he said to me, Davey, I don't want to let you down. I don't want to leave the band. But he said, I think my days as a Bower on and ballad singer are coming to an end. So I'll stay with you until you find someone else. And that was kind of the, the thing. And I said, fair enough. So we had to start looking. And the, the members did change over the years. But myself and Tommy Mackey from Kieran's College, we, we stayed uh, as founding members and we're still in the band today. But when my brother left, there was a change in personnel. And Davey Long came in for a while. He was on drums. We said we might uh, rock it up a bit. Take a little uh, leaf out of the Stockton's wing book. Yeah you know maybe put in drums and bass and um get it to a different audience and you know yourself what that's like it's energetic and it's exciting and it brings you away from what you've been doing for a while and we loved it and you know you got some people saying hey you're going away from your roots and then you have other people saying i love your new exciting style and it was a bit of both and i i couldn't knock it i couldn't fault it but then Davy had to leave. Davy Long, the drummer, he had to leave because he had kids. So then I said, Noel, you have plenty of friends up in Dublin. Get on to Kieran Hanner and there are one of the boys and see can we come up with some mad ideas. And I think if I remember correctly, you were you were doing a, a Cayley House show from DIT Conservatory, was it? That's right. And you were, you, you were doing an ensemble and said, come up and have a look at this young lad. He's from Wexford. He plays Bower on and pipes and everything. His name was Mick Martin. And maybe you can tell me more about Mick than I know. But we went up that day and we saw the the whole show and one lad stood out head and shoulders for me. And I said, he's perfect for the tour we're going to do in Holland. Will you see, can he come with us? And I think he was only 18 at the time. He came with us and we did seven shows in Holland. And we said, Mick, there's a job there for you if you wanted. We understand you're in college and Kieran might give out to you if you drop out but it's up to yourself and he's been with us since so maybe you could tell me a bit more about Mick I don't know what was he like as a student what I can tell you was I had no influence over him anyway because he joined the Kilkenny's and headed off fair play a brilliant musician and a good young fellow great great performer but an incredibly committed young man to his art for sure after that then of course Joshua Lachlan joined you yeah so after that then we needed a, a Another young lad that was willing to tour the world with the Kilkenny's with uh, two older lads and Noel Carty. And we needed a couple of his kids that were. Now, Kieran, I'm after learning more trad in the last two years than I've ever learned in my life of these boys. So it's it's great. It's it's a learning experience and it's a pleasure to be with the lads because they come out with tune after tune after tune. And I, I, I can't thank them enough for uh, joining the crew and they've transform the Kilkenny's in every way and look forward to 
playing with them as long as I can. The thing about the Kilkennys, actually, we've seen you at Tradfest. You've been a huge success at Tradfest, actually, playing at the Smithic Sessions, which is Kilkenny Beer, I suppose, too. Uh, it's known elsewhere. You have that rapport with the audience. You have that power uh, on stage, and you have a fantastic connection uh, with people. There's incredible energy of what you do. That's uh, that's part of the plan. We, we always try and make the audience part of the show. I know it's a cliche, and it's been said a thousand times, but... Um, I think uh, some of the some of the sessions we did in Tradfest over the years, the shows. Uh, Martin Martin Hayes came to me one day. He said the Kilkenny shows are all sold out, and I said that's fantastic. But he said, not one Irish person bought a ticket to a Kilkenny show, and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But all our audience were Dutch, and German, and Danish, and British. There wasn't one Irish ticket bought. So. I don't know what we have to do in Ireland, but it seems to be working outside of it anyway, and we'll keep doing it as long as we can. And I'm looking forward to getting back to Tradfest because um, I haven't had a bad year in it so far, and all going well, we'll be back there in January. I think actually there was the enthusiasm of your fans from across Europe. Once they see the tickets up, they're in straight away to get them. That's what amazes me. So when you tour these places, then is it a similar reaction? It is, and there, there's no Irish at the gigs. People say, oh, you're going and you're playing in the Irish bars. No, we're doing theatres. When we go to Holland, we'll do a, maybe a 20 or 30 uh, show tour, and it's all theatres, and it's all Dutch people. And we do the same in Germany. People have the idea in Ireland that we're out playing in Irish pubs to Irish people abroad, but it's not like that at all. And when we're there, we say, playing in Tradfest in January, come see us. It's a great weekend and uh, you'll see many acts. You can hop around Temple Bar and fantastic shows in the churches and in the different venues that they have set up. I actually have a funny story about um, a video shoot I did for Raglan Road. We did a couple of years with your brother, a couple of years ago with your brother, Mike Hanran. Remember, uh, we got all the ca- the Tradfest cast to... Uh, we sang a line of Raglan Road and it, act, it went on to the Late Late Show eventually, which was great. But the day of recording, I was told to be in Temple Bar in a church beside uh, Leo Burdock's fish and chip shop and be there at nine o'clock. Don't be late and bring all your stuff. So I said, great. So I parked the car in Fleet Street. It was very early. It was up around half eight. I went and had a coffee. I was suited and booted, looked as good as I could, looking forward to meeting all the cast. And Gavin Glass was producing the song. Mike Hanron was going to be there and everything was under control. So I parked in Fleet Street car park. I walked around the corner to Leo Burdock's because that's where I had it in my head. The shoot was. And then I was met on the street. I had the banjo case in my hand and I looked the part. This woman with headphones on and a microphone said, are you part of the band? And I said, yes. She said, go in there. It was the the old storehouse. It was right in the heart of Temple Bar across from the Keys pub as well. So that's where I was going. <laughs> and she came out and she said, are you part of the band? And I said, I am. And she said, go in there, sign your name in, sign the release form. There's a buffet breakfast and uh, you can just chill out there. We'll, we'll call you when you're needed. So I went in. And I said, this is great treatment altogether. I'm not used to this. So I went in, I put down the banjo, I had a cup of coffee, another cup of coffee, and I had my breakfast. And I'm looking around to see, was there anybody I recognised? 
no one from the Treadfest cast, no Mike Hanrahan, no Gavin Glass, the producer. And I said, what's going on? So I waited about 20 minutes, half an hour, and nothing was happening. And there was a big crowd gathering at the time. So I went up to whoever seemed to be in charge and I said, um, look, I was told to be here at nine and they're tight on schedule. They're going to uh, shoot everybody individually and there's only like an hour slot each time. So I have to be in and out. Oh yeah, well look, Gavin's going to be coming out and then everybody's going to follow him out onto the square in Temple Bar and then you just look good in the background and that's the plan. <laughs> so I'm still confused. So then I had to eventually ask someone, I said, look, what's going on here today? And they said to me, Gavin James is shooting a music video in Temple Bar today. <laughs> I was in the wrong location. So then I get a phone call from the Temple Bar, Temple Bar Tradfest producers. Davey, where are you? We're running way ahead of schedule, waiting for you. I said, I'm in the wrong location. I'm in Leo Burdock's down in Temple Bar. So then I had to leg it up to Leo Burdock's uh, um, up beside Jury's Inn in Christchurch. And there's a, a church across the road from there. Is it the Westborough Church or what's it called? And that's where the shoot was. And then I had to explain to everybody. And I was out of breath, in panting, doing the shoot, in and out, gone. So... What's the chances of two videos being shot in a in a location beside two Leo Burdocks in Temple Bar on the one day? If anyone was going to fuck it up, it was me, and I did. No, no breakfast for you though, in in Warburg's though. <laughs> Big other, <laughs> there was. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Mike Hanrahan about that. He yeah. didn't treat it as well as the Gavin James crew. No, the Kilkenny's that we mentioned. Uh, I mentioned about your history really at Tradfest. It's such a a powerful thing there and you've toured Europe you've been to the States as well I understand you got to Milwaukee at one stage got to Milwaukee for two years that's a, a fantastic festival and it's an important calling card for any band if they're going to the States actually to get a bit of exposure at Milwaukee and did you find it of value from that point of view we surely did we, we um we had set up a nice following and a nice tour um which rotates every year in Europe and it's working really well for us and we the promoters and the theatres and the agents we work with there know us well and it's it's running like clockwork for the last six, seven, eight years. And we said we need to test the American scene. So we said, look, if we can get the Milwaukee Festival, we can expand it from there. We can go out for a month. But Milwaukee is the kind of the linchpin. It all revolves around that. If you get that, you can get the other festivals. But the artists need to be working every weekend. You need to be doing the Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the festival scene and move on to the next spot because there's not much midweek out there uh, as regards work for musicians. So you need to be getting the festivals. If you go out for a month, you need the festival every weekend. And it kind of all revolves around Milwaukee. So and so any, any festival that looks at the acts in Milwaukee, they'll say, right, we'll take them for our festival. And that's kind of the way it's been working for years. And you, you build up your circuit then and your festival scene. We found it very hard work. We found the touring in, in America hard work with the travel and the expense and uh, the lodgings and getting from place to place. It, you'd almost want to be based in the States for part of the year, you know, three, four months, maybe even half the year in America, half the year back home. That's how we found it. We gave it two years and we felt, do you know what? The Dubliners flew around Europe 
for 40 years or 50 years and I said, you know, we, we might be heading down the same road unless, you know, uh, big things came out in the States and you could fly out for a couple of festivals and back in. But as regards setting up a long-term tour out there, we, we kind of, um, we said we might skip it for a while because it seemed like out of our reach compared to what the rest of uh, the acts were doing out there. You know, they were away from their families for two, three months at a time and we, we didn't feel that was something um, we were up for, you know. Uh, if you go to Germany, you can be there in an hour, you can be home, Holland the same, Britain. But you go to America, you're kind of there for a couple of months and I don't think we were ready for it and we said no. Milwaukee comes up, a few festivals go out and do them but after that, we won't tour it. That's wise. I think it's wise because you have a huge market anyway on your doorstep with uh, Europe and Britain. So uh, the Dubliners created such a huge scene all across Europe that and they opened it up for everybody else. So there's none of that going on now, though, Davy. Oh, stop, Karen. Um I sang my last gig on the 8th of March. I was down in Cork City and we did a show on the 8th of March. That's the last time I was on stage with the Kilkennys. So... Um, where are we now? Are we six, seven, eight months in? I don't know. I've lost count. So lockdown has just been challenging, challenging. It's been a break. Um, say I'm on the road 20 years and you, you kind of get the hamster wheel effect where you're just doing it, doing it. You don't even realise you're doing it and it's just part of your life. You get up, you do your show, you move on to the next spot, you do it and you come home and... It's just been part of my life. I never realised the work and the miles and the travel we were putting in until I stepped off the hamster wheel. And then I saw it spinning around. I said, wow, did we just do that for the last 20 years? And my wife, Sarah, said, yeah. And she had to look at me doing it. And I started going out with my wife, by the way, when Ishkabaha played their first gig. So she's been with me every step of the way. So so the band evolved and our relationship evolved. So she doesn't know me any other way than as a touring singing musician. And has so, this, has this, uh, has this uh, as you mentioned, actually, put it very well, getting off the hamster wheel, has that made you reconsider in any way or does it make you more determined to get back out there when things uh, ease up a bit? So I stepped off the hamster wheel, as we're calling it, in March. And I said, right, I don't have to be anywhere for St. Patrick's Day. And then maybe in April, we'll be back to normal for Easter. We'll think about it then. So let's take a little holiday. So I took like a four or five week break, which is something I never had. I was free on a Friday and a Saturday night. I could go to dinner with Sarah or I could do whatever I wanted to do and relax and I kind of did and it was fantastic because in the back of my head we'll be back up and running all the tours are still in the diary and we'll be back working April May at the latest back for the summer and then all of a sudden Easter passed May passed then we're into full lockdown we're not seeing anybody now it's June and all of a sudden, I'm on another hamster wheel, which is just uh, staying in the house, not going any, without realising it. You get into a hamster wheel effect without realising it. It's because 
it's Groundhog Day, you're doing the same thing again. But you always live in hope that things will get better and there's light at the end of the tunnel. But now here we are talking tonight, Karen, and I'm delighted to be talking to you. And it's October and there still hasn't been a gig done or a song sung or a made behind the bar played or a session. And I don't see any end in sight. I'm on another hamster wheel now, which is the routine of being at home and being a house husband and doing all the work that I have to do and making videos online that grew stale after the first couple of months we did a lot of videos and we had fun doing them but people want to get back seeing and hearing and playing live music and i i don't know when it's going to happen well uh, the fact that you are at home and that you have that sort of time are you writing new stuff are you practicing are you learning new tunes what are you doing with your time apart from i know you said you made videos and did all of that but when you're sitting down there sort of in the cold light of day say, what will I do now? Are you sort of putting pen to paper and writing a tune or a song? There was great uh, energy at the start. We talked about Mick Martin and Joshua Lachlan. They're the two whiz kids. So they'll be up to uh, date on the technology. They'd have all the laptops and all the converters and all the stuff we needed to record from home. So at the start, we made videos. We collaborated with different people. We did stuff with the Dublin Legends with Jerry O'Connor, Paul Watchhorn and Sean Cannon. We had great fun and Shea Kavanagh. And we did collaborations with different people and we did our own songs. And we did them from home, put them together, put them out, good reaction. And then we said, let's do something a little bit better. So we teamed up with the Watergate Theatre in Kilkenny where we recorded our first live DVD. And we had a great crew there. We had Eddie Hughes on cameras and we had Joanna there, the theatre manager. And we did a full rehearsal for a full show. We said, we're going to do a full show in the Watergate and put it out online. Now, if we did the Watergate Theatre live tonight and we sold it out, we'd do 350 or 60 people, which would be fantastic any night of the week. But we did it that night and 50,000 people all around the world watched it live that night. So we did a show in Kilkenny to an empty hall. <laughs> which is very strange and surreal and different and difficult in every way possible. But we kind of overcame it because we knew people were watching at home and I went out across the world and we were very happy to be doing it. And we worked towards that. We rehearsed and we got it right. And it was like something to be doing. And then when that was over, it was kind of right. Now, what do we do? So we're kind of left in limbo again. We had started recording uh, a couple of new songs in February in a studio here in Kilkenny, working with the great Ollie Hennessy. You might know him from RTE. And that was all abandoned in March. So we have kind of songs half done, half recorded, and we're looking for ways to get back in and finish them. But there's no incentive to record because you used to record an album so you could go out and tour it, or you used to bring out a single so you could uh, promote your next tour or your next show. There's no real incentive to record anymore, and we're, we're kind of left in a lull, a, a, a no man's land. Why, why do we record? Is it to put it out online? So is everything online now? So you become a, an online band, whereas all our lives we've been a live act. So we're kind of caught now and wondering where should we go from here. Well, hopefully something will emerge as the as we move out of this kind of winter that we're having. 
and that there will be a chance. I mean, uh, Tradfest, we're looking at Tradfest in January 2021 and we're looking to have outlets for bands to play there. So maybe that might be your start back, Davy, and then in a managed way after that uh, before you get back into Europe. By the way, are you listening to any other music? We've, we've always asked our guests what they're listening to uh, during this period of lockdown and what kind of gets them through musically. Um. One of my projects this year, I turned the front room of the house into my music room. So all the instruments that I had lying around in cases and in the back of the van and in the back of the car going to gigs, they're all at home now. So I put them all up on the wall like you would if you were in a music shop. So I have them all hanging on my wall and it's created a nice music room effect. And I have an old vinyl Panasonic uh, player. That's kind of the feature piece in the room. And I have uh, all my vinyls up on a shelf. So every day I take out a new vinyl. So over lockdown, it's been kind of Eagles, Johnny Cash, Dean Martin, Glenn Campbell. And we're going old school. We're going back to the way it was, Bruce Springsteen. And that's kind of what I've been listening to over lockdown on vinyl in the music room. And just kind of getting a fresh idea stuff I wouldn't normally get to listen to. And it's been refreshing and it's given me new ideas and you wouldn't know how to come out of it. We'll see that's, what happens. That's, that is positive, I must say. I have a, I, I'm just this picture of that room now in my head and you mentioned about the instruments being up. Is your your original banjo up there anywhere? It is. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, as my father says, it's probably more suitable for firewood. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're aiming for Tradfest 2021 and we do expect to be together in music at that time. There's brighter days ahead, I'm sure. I'm looking forward to Tradfest. I honestly uh, can't see us performing before then because we have November, then it's Christmas. And if I'm on stage playing for the lovely people of the world and Dublin and Ireland in Temple Bar in January, I'll be happy and we'll see what happens after that. We look forward to that, Davy. Thanks a million for joining us in the podcast. Kieran, the pleasure was all mine. Slán agus Gorovmilamahagat. Thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.